The Energy Matters to You podcast is a communication platform that features technologies and thought leaders working to advance energy efficiency. The Energy Matters to You podcast seek to connect buyers with sellers so that practical, cost-effective energy efficiency and sustainable energy solutions continue to gain market traction. Hello and welcome to Energy Matters to You. Today is April 1st, 2022. My name is Leo Ryan, as always, joined by my energy colleague, Ron Galuli. Ron, nice to see you. Yes, good morning. April Fool's Day. Did anyone try to trick you in your house today as you get the day started? Uh, no, no tricks yet. Um, <laughs> yeah. When you least expect it. When you least expect yes. it. Yeah, I gotta keep uh, keep an eye out for those. So we just had an election in Natick. I, I wanted to bring you up on this. We had our a contested select board election, and uh, running up to this, we um, uh, folks who are involved in sustainability and energy matters in Natick got together and said, "Wouldn't it be interesting to invite folks to a, a green focus, the sustainability focused forum?" This little conversation. So we had the candidates in, gave them three questions so they could. Do a little research, and uh, it was really, really a, an excellent um, kind of uh, public uh, event because we had, you know, folks that were had to answer questions about the the school committee or town budgets, those kind of issues, which are generally what the the election hinges on. Here, they were focused on, you know, we've got a dam that's either going to be repaired or it's going to be um, displaced. We've got an aggregation question for the municipal electrical uh, purchases. So it was really interesting to, to have those people um, share their thoughts. Have you had anything like that in your communities? I, I haven't had anything like that locally here in Stowe in quite some time. Um, but, you know, what what's happening at work is we've had some interesting uh, contracts. We're recently doing an EV site sizing study contract. So that's been a nice break from... Um, energy efficiency and, you know, something new and that's a growing, obviously growing very quickly. Yeah. Um, but, but your, your NADEC meeting is a good segue uh, to our next guest. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've got somebody who's been around this energy space for a long time. I know you and I both have interacted with Kathy Stanley, who's now got a, a, a business called uh, Energy Advocates LLC. Uh, Kathy, welcome to Energy Matters to you. Thank you, Leo. It's nice to be here. Well, we ran into, into each other on the ski slopes this weekend, this, this, this season. Yes, we did. I'm sitting there, happily, I think it was Loon, right? Sitting there at Loon, and I look up and I think, hey, I know him. That was very funny. <laughs> and that initiated you on Energy Matters too. So, so happy you can be here. And now, Kathy, oftentimes we like to start with uh, just giving folks a sense of uh, your journey in the energy space. And uh, boy, you've had a lot of experiences, a lot of different perspectives on the energy space. Why don't you just give us an overview on uh, how you got to energy advocates? Sure, that was that's easy. That's the past, I know that one. Um, yeah, I started working for the utility, the Boston Gas, when it was just the gas company. That's all you really needed to say because there was only one um, back in the day before deregulation and then lived through deregulation and learned a ton about what was going to happen. Um, and then started, actually started Energy Advocates way back then in, in February of 03 and uh, worked as a, a supply consultant, somebody helping those and you know how to do that. So I did that five years, 
uh, and I ended up leaving that, going to work for Johnson Controls for several years and started working more on the, um, the demand side of the meter instead of the supply side and spent several years, um, more than 10 in that area where I learned so much about how energy is used and energy efficiency and projects like that. And then my kid finally went to college. It is true. They do leave. It's all good. So when that happened, I said, I'm going to put together this business that is a, I saw a need in the, in the market for the public municipal client needing the expertise of an accomplished and experienced energy manager with um, a good solid local network who could help them resolve problems, get grant money, make improvements, and generally deal with all of the different energy issues that come up for a municipal customer. And I did that, started that in late 19 and it's been um, amazingly successful. Oh, that's great. And I think you know that I, I chair Natick's sustainability committee. And so I see that, I guess in some ways, a gap in resources or bandwidth uh, or expertise on the, on the municipal side. So how do they, they get these things? And there's a, that, there's a whole range of concerns that that, Municipal folks have to deal with. So let's let's just start with that. Why don't you just lay out for us what are the the typical challenges that a municipality has with regard to energy, uh, and and then we'll go and get into your expertise. But but just start with that. Like uh, like you know where are the gaps? What what do they need? What are their challenges? Sure. So usually I get involved with a municipal customer when they need to complete requirements for their green communities. Um, grants. And that's a, a way for a municipal customer in Massachusetts to pick up an extra $200,000 a year to do energy efficiency improvements. But there's a lot that comes with that. There's the grant application, there are quarterly reports, there's an annual report, there's project management that has to occur, there's um, utility incentive applications that have to happen. Uh, you're working with various turnkey vendors. In some cases, you're working with energy engineers to help uh, define where the opportunities might be and then turning that into a project. So there's a lot to it. Um, and you also need to have a, a pretty good knowledge of municipal procurement law in order to be able to help those folks do what they need to do without breaking any rules and, and making sure that all the T's are crossed. So that's part of it. Uh, and then what I happens... Let me, yeah, let me just stop you like that because you went through this awesome list and I, want, I wanted to get at that first one because that... The Green Communities Act and the two hundred thousand dollars that they that's available to the municipalities to support energy efficiency. Now, this is something that I I'm not sure that people are really tuned into this because there's there's a lot of money. There's a lot of money, either federal money or state money or or, or, or grants not associated with either of those categories that are available to communities. And the only way that the communities get them is if they have someone shaking the trees who understand the process. So, you know, what I think it'd be interesting. Can you give us some examples of, you know, a community that, that didn't have an awareness that, that suddenly realized this 200,000 or, or other type, type, type grant money? Give us, give us a sense of, of how that might have worked and how you could have helped. Yeah, so um, I actually work with three different municipalities in Massachusetts, all of them taking advantage of this green communities money. Um, but I think it's helpful to them to know, for example, I have this new, this community that I just started working with, having a, had a really hard time 
with a, a facility that, that was on their golf course. And it's a, a facility that's actually a kind of a profit center for them. Um, it's, it's a beloved facility by the community. There's a lot of retirees that golf on their public golf course. They want to be able to use this facility for coffee and chess and whatever they do after golf, right? So very popular, but they're having a real serious problem trying to keep and cool this building. And the benchmarks were on, on, off the scale and the costs were exorbitant. And we were able to use some green communities money to improve just the roofing insulation, which might sound easy, but in this case was a rather complicated issue um, because of the structure of the facility. And then now we're able to dig in and maybe put in a new energy management system for this building. And, and this is making a huge difference for this little community and helping their facilities manager with a problem that's been sort of chugging along here at a, for several years. So, you know, two birds with one stone, right? You're used, you're improving the energy efficiency of the facility, you're saving money, but you're solving a very visible community problem and you're um, helping the folks who live in that community to enjoy their, their assets a little better. So, so Kathy, I, uh, in a prior life, I did quite a bit of work in the green communities as a contractor, and you couldn't have described uh, the value of municipalities participating in that program uh, more, than, more than you did, because that, that was also very rewarding for me as a contractor to see municipalities be able to, to tap into these funds, not only make their buildings more efficient, but make them more more operational, more comfortable, user-friendly, and and uh, safer operation as well. So they're able to take take that money, right? Where, where do you see a municipality that has a big maintenance budget, right? So a lot of things get neglected and be able to address uh, some of the issues with those buildings and make them more efficient. Yes, definitely. And there's other ways too. I mean, green communities is one big bucket um, of money. But for example, I also work with a community that has been the uh, recipient of a GAP grant. And this is a grant that they were able to use for energy efficiency upgrades for their wastewater treatment plant. And it came down through Mass DEP. And that grant is actually coming up again. And knowing that we um, we might be able to apply for that. We've teed up some some work. We've had some you know some engineering firms work with us to help be ready. So now we have our proposals lined up, and when that application opens up any minute now, we're off to the races. So um, we're pretty excited about that, and that that could be another two hundred. So now you're looking at you know upwards of four hundred thousand dollars in in grant money for energy efficiency projects for one municipal customer. Um, pretty exciting. Yeah, and then then when you throw in the incentives from the utility, you can almost double that. Right, exactly. So it's substantial. You know what? Nearly every community has set up net zero goals for themselves. And these require that the commercial entities in town, the residential entities in town, and the municipalities um, shift their conditioning from fossil fuels into uh, electrification. And it's a complicated process. And I'm curious to know how, how, how you might be helping in that area and if this is something that you see prioritized in the communities that you're serving. Absolutely. And it touches, I want to say the next three areas that I want to mention have something to do with this. The first one is man- helping a community manage their renewable contracts, whether they are installing renewable energy behind the meter 
or they are taking advantage of net metering agreements and using renewable energy through a net metering agreement. I have communities that this can get a little sticky. You need to be sure that you're not executing contracts that are in excess of the amount of electricity that you're using, or you will have credits build up on your bills that you won't be able to utilize. Um, the other issue is how you negotiate a supply contract for, for a municipality, which I help them with both natural gas and electricity agreements. And with respect to electricity procurement, you can procure more renewable forms if that's a priority for your community. So how you work with all of those different decisions impacts that. And then the last area that I can think of is municipal aggregations, which is something ha that has also come up and it's a bit complicated, probably too complicated for me to dig into the weeds here, but all of my municipalities take advantage of aggregations for their residents and they can offer green and more renewable choices to their residents through these aggregate community aggregations. So there are obviously requirements and, and um, that the state has around communication and how you manage those communication requirements on your website and that kind of thing that you need to follow. But all areas that a municipality can use to help not only their own uh, net zero goals, but also those of their residents. Yeah, so Kathy, when you track all that and you describe all the different uh, parts of the municipal budget that energy touches, it seems pretty clear that municipalities need to hire a full-time resource and have them sitting in the chair of their town. So uh, what's, how, how would you respond to that, uh, that objection for hiring outside part-time energy advocates group as opposed to uh, the folks inside the town lobbying for a full-time resource dedicated to these energy matters? Yeah, that's a really good question because all of my um, clients thought they needed a full-time energy manager until they met me. <laughs> so my solution to that is you, you need a very experienced and well-networked professional. You don't need a full-timer in most cases. Now, there are exceptions to that, of course. Um, city of Boston, City of Providence, some of these larger communities, Springfield, you know, maybe Worcester. These, these communities really do need somebody who can devote full-time resources to this. But in all of my other engagements, it's really a part-time outsourced function. And there are very few times when I get a phone call that I can't say, I can probably solve this problem in 10 minutes. I need to know who to call, what to tell them, what they need. And I need to know where to get that information quickly and efficiently. And most of the time, I can get somebody on that problem very, very quickly because I, I've been around the, the block here. Um, so, and you know, if you look at what it would cost to hire a full-time person for a municipal uh, in, client in, in Massachusetts, their budgets are tight. So if they're, you know, they might have enough available in their budget to hire a full-time person, but it would be somebody who would be almost entry level. So, Kathy, so I, I, yeah, I wanted to jump in on that one because yeah. I was going to say the exact same thing. To hire someone with your experience, the budgets for most municipalities, you know, maybe with the exception of a large city, are just not going to be able to do that. So they, they can hire you and you can do that work um, much more effectively and efficiently than, as you said, maybe an entry level person that really doesn't know 
their way around those procurement laws and all the different opportunities that are out there. Right, and I can usually, in every case so far, accomplish what they need for less than what they would need to hire an entry-level person for. So let's talk about that, that conversation with the municipalities, because as you were describing all of the different departments that your work impacts, uh, it would seem that it, maybe it's a little complicated to know uh, who, who, who contracts with you. I mean, is it, is it finance? Is it procurement? Is it operations? Is it facilities? And then is there a, you know, a, for, for you in, in, in your size and in scope, is there, a, is there a size of town or is there a problem or a, matru- a maturity level that, that's, that's important? So talk to us about you know, the entry points in, in, in a community that's a good fit for, for you and your services. Sure. So I always have a communication line to the C-level executive in the town. And it's whether the town manager or the town administrator, they are usually the person that brings me in. Um, although I have also been brought in by facilities managers. Uh, I work closely with the finance team, including the treasurer and his team. I work closely with facilities. I work closely with purchasing and procurement. And um, those are the areas that I usually, oh, in schools, of course, um, the whole administrative team at schools, starting with the vice president of administration and finance, and then into facilities and maintenance. So I am a resource for those folks. They need something, they pick up the phone, I answer my, I answer my phone. And that's, that's, I think, what has been um, created such a good situation for me and my clients. But um, those are pretty much the, the areas I touch. Yeah, I think it goes without saying that you're, you know, you're product neutral. You're not coming with uh, as a, as an energy broker or an efficiency technology an advocate for that. You're an energy advocate. Fair statement. That's, that's absolutely true. I am completely product neutral. So I like to work with the people that my towns like to work with, and I'll find ways to do that. If they have a a boiler mechanic or installer that they are very very fond of, I can usually find a turnkey vendor who can subcontract work to that person and keep that person in the loop if that's best for the client. So, absolutely. I think that this has been an issue in the energy sector for decades where, you know, if, uh, if all I've got is a hammer, everything's a nail and that's how problems get solved. Right. So, Hey, Ron, have we missed any spots here that you wanted to cover with Kathy? Well, I just wanted to mention, you know, to our listeners out there and uh, for municipalities potentially considering using Kathy's service that we both sit on the board of uh, the regional chapter of the association of energy engineers um, and Kathy's someone that gets stuff done, right? Uh, as you know, we sit on the board and a lot of people talk about what uh, can be done at meetings, but Kathy actually goes out and gets it done. So, uh, you know, she's a great resource. Yeah, thanks. Nice to, yeah, nice to say. And, you know, th- things like the uh, associations, like the energy engineers is a, is a great way to, to develop the skill set. And it's clear that we need that skill set more and more. And we talked about net zero briefly. And man, oh man, there's so much work to be done. So, so thanks for that work, Kathy. Anything that you wanted to touch on before we close out? Oh, just to say thank you so much. I have never done a podcast before, and this has been a blast. I mean, we could just sit here and talk about energy forever, right? Uh, well, I'm I know. So and, and we know that there's folks that do that. We try to keep it to 20 minutes, but clearly, there's there's so much more to to discuss. And encourage our listeners to get in touch with energy advocates. Anything else you want to do in terms of, you know, um, uh, allow um, giving people, folks, the access to you? Find you on LinkedIn. Uh, I have or- a LinkedIn profile, and if you yep. just if you were to just 
um, Google up um, Kathleen Stanley, you'd probably find me without any problem at all. Beautiful. All right, Ron, any closing words? Uh, no, it was great. Great to have you on the show, Kathy. And, you know, maybe we'll have a follow-up episode, uh, you know, with uh, the oncoming incentives and grants for EVs and storage. That's a good idea. I look forward to that. Thank you very much, both of you. You're welcome. So thanks again, Kathy Stanley, for being part of Energy Matters to you. On behalf of Ron Galuli, this is Leo Ryan saying goodbye. And as always, there's work to be done. Go make a difference. Thanks very much.